Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined with us in worship. We have an excellent worship service planned today. Um, we have announcements before we begin that we'd like to frame in our five practices. If you'll open your bulletin to the section that starts with radical hospitality. Some um, uh, announcements are read. Some of them are only in the bulletin. Some are in the newsletter if you'll make sure that you pay attention to all. First of which is um, we want to welcome visitors. If this is your first day or if you've been coming routinely, we're so grateful that you're here. We hope that you feel welcome. We have visitor cards in the pews that you can fill out any type of contact information and we'll reach out to you with that information that you give us. We also believe in um, the amazing power of prayer. We have a Tuesday prayer group that meets um, every Tuesday morning and they consider the prayers that you have shared with us, uh, also the greater community at large. If you have a concern that you'd like to share with us, just take a prayer card and fill it out and place it in the offering. There's also a number on the front of the bulletin you can call or text at any time with a pastoral care emergency or simply to share a prayer concern with us. Uh, make sure that you take advantage of that. Basketball, basketball Basketball registration uh, is nearly to a close. Uh, Tommy Stanton has been our athletic director since I've been here. Um, he needs to know exactly who's going to be here, so what he knows what teams he has, what coaches he needs. Um, if you plan to play, um, please, please make sure we know. The Supper at 6 is coming up the first Wednesday uh, this month. Um, you can sign up in the pew pads as it goes by, which is a totally different sign up than the Consecration Sunday meal uh, that you'll see later. If the pew com pad comes by and you'd like to come, just out from your name, put the number that you would like to attend, adults and children. We will be decorating the Thanksgiving baskets of the Foundations class, of which we have an announcement today, and we'll be watching a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Uh, so if you'd like to do that, um, um, we would love to have you uh, this Wednesday. Fall Festival is tonight, which means we don't have the normal um, children, youth, uh, adult programming. Everything's about the Fall Festival. We have all kinds of uh, kids from the community come uh, in their costumes, and we have all kinds of fun games. If you would like to um, uh, help us with one of the games, we have a couple of games that we still need an adult there. Very simple, very fun. Uh, you get to give a lot of high fives and hugs and candy to, uh, say, Batman and Superman and a princess and another princess and maybe another princess and maybe one more Batman. Uh, it's total fun. If you'd like to do that, make sure uh, that you come tonight at 5 o'clock and you can help us. Uh, we believe in passionate worship. And as you can see, it's a slightly different setup today. We have the Emerald City Brass Quintet. We've had them before as a trio. We've had them before as a quartet. Today we have a quintet, and we're glad to have them. Uh, we're celebrating the uh, 500th anniversary of the Reformation when Martin Luther put the 95 Theses on the door, uh, uh, establishing the fact that something needed to change drastically in the way and the action of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and that we'll talk about that in uh, the sermon today as well. We believe in intentional faith development, but uh, we don't have an announcement about that today because it's all fall festival, all fun. And we believe in risk-taking mission and service. I'm going to call Don Lewis up. He's a member of the Foundations class. Um, he's going to tell us about this um, wonderful opportunity we have Thanksgiving baskets. dinner. Extravagant risk-taking? How about this for extravagant risk-taking? Carry out food to a family with children who's been identified by a school teacher. Extravagant generosity? How about make a donation to help us do all that? On the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we will be delivering food boxes for more than 25 years we've been doing this. We did it to try to teach our kids what they should be thankful for. Now our kids are old. We used to be the young adults. And we take donations from the church. We go out and shop aggressively. We put about $40 into a box now with a turkey and everything that a family would need for a good Thanksgiving dinner. And the fact remains that one in five kids in the schools around here are still facing a food shortage. So we're really helping people that have been 
picked by teachers. And it makes a difference. So if you want to come help us deliver, come help us deliver. Uh, consecration Sunday in the afternoon, 1.30. We'll meet at the FLC to start distributing the boxes. It's fun to do. If you haven't done it, you ought to try it. And if you can't do that, we hope you'll support our efforts by making a donation marked Thanksgiving. Thanks. Thank you, Don. We believe in extravagant generosity, and part of that is the Consecration Sunday uh, that we believe in around here. It's November 19th. It's a um, one service at 10 o'clock in uh, the sanctuary, followed by a celebration meal in our Family Life Center. And that day, not only will we make pledges for the coming year, the promises that we'll make uh, to give for 2018, we'll also make a pledge of what we're doing in volunteering, whether we want to be ushering, whether we want to be with children, whether we want to be in the choir, we want to count money, all the volunteer aspects of the church, you'll see that celebrated on the 19th, as well as the Thanksgiving baskets. And I assume you mean aggressively like price-wise, not like Rubbin's racing with the, with the carts uh, with other people, maybe that too. Um, but one major thing we need to do for the meal is take reservations. If you know for a fact that you cannot be there on the 19th, we definitely want to know that. If you know that you are going to be there on the 19th, we definitely want to know that. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come uh, bring cards. If you'll raise your hand if you haven't filled out one of those reservation cards, and they'll give you one. And um, we'll turn around and get them right back uh, so that we know. Uh, the meal is free. It's uh, Thanksgiving. It's uh, delicious, and it's a big uh, crowd in our Family Life Center. We'll also celebrate the initial uh, pledges that we've made for 2018. Uh, so if you'll raise your hand, the usher will give you a card, and we'll be sure and take that up and get your reservation. Thank you, ushers. That's right, the choir team. That's right. Thank you. If you'll please stand for our first hymn, number 110. Nope. Nope. We have extended starts to every hymn today because of the quintet. And if you'll please, like I do, watch Renessa. And like the choir does, watch Renessa. So remain seating for our first hymn until Renessa says so. <laughs>
let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first reading today is from Psalm 115, and I'm going to read from the newest translation approved by the United Methodist Church, the Common English Bible Version, CEB. Psalm 115, not to us, Lord, not to us, no, but to your own name give glory because of you, your loyal love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God now? Our God is in heaven. He can do whatever he wants. Their idols are just silver and gold, things made by human hands. They have mouths, but they can't speak. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. They have noses, but they can't smell. They have hands, but they can't feel. They have feet, but they can't walk. They can't even make a noise in their throats. Let the people who made these idols and all who trust in them become just like them. But you, Israel, Trust in the Lord. God is their help and shield. Trust in the Lord, house of Aaron. God is, is their help and shield. You who honor the Lord, trust in the Lord. God is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. God will bless the house of Israel. God will bless the house of Aaron. God will bless those who honor the Lord from the smallest to the greatest. May the Lord add to your numbers, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heaven belongs to the Lord, but he gave the earth to the people. The dead don't praise the Lord, nor do those who go down in silence. But us, we will bless the Lord from now until forever from now. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Every church has a different model in which they talk about giving. Our model is Consecration Sunday, and as part of that, we have members come uh, to celebrate uh, how they feel about the church and what the church means to them. We try to reach out to every demographic of our church in both worship services, and today Robbie Septon is going to speak to us. And while he's coming, I'll have you raise your card if you have it and have the ushers come get it. Good morning. Thank you for letting me come up and speak to you for a few minutes this, this morning uh, as we prepare for Consecration Sunday. For those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Robbie Septon, and I've attended Memorial for roughly 15 years or so. I used to be better known as Lauren's boyfriend. <laughs> now I'm known as Annie's daddy. Uh, both of those are perfectly acceptable, and I am honored to have both of those titles. I'm no longer her bro a boyfriend, though. You know, so. Um, being a father has taught me a ton over the last two years, and I've talked to some other fathers of little girls, and I understand that I'm just getting started. So uh, Annie has, uh, goes to CEP program here at Memorial. 
and once a week or so, when I pick her up, she has a little extra pep in her step. You know, she's just moving a little differently, and I can almost instantly tell why. See, once a week, the kids in the CEP program they go over to the social hall uh, and they sing songs and, and they dance and, and they spend some time with one of Annie's favorite men, Pasa Joe, as she says. Uh, Annie can be pretty quiet. If you've, if you've got to meet her, she can be kind of shy. She can even cry a little bit when she first meets you. Um, don't judge her by that, I promise. But once you get to know Annie, it is Annie's show. And it is usually very long. One of her favorite songs that she picked up in chapel is, uh, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Annie sings it every morning. Usually once or twice throughout the day. And then again before she goes to bed at night. To me as a parent, the most amazing part of being a father is seeing the world again through a child's eyes. In the midst of the things that consume our minds, like deadlines or bills, worry and stress, I'm reminded daily by a two-year-old that this indeed is the day that the Lord has made. Matthew 18 verse 3 says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We are indeed children, and we are indeed children of God. We all share one heavenly Father, and we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We all together make up this church family, and this building, these grounds, this beautiful sanctuary is our church home. Much like our homes that we share with our immediate families, this church home is a place where we share in our most joyous occasions. This altar is where I stood and said my wedding vows. That baptismal font is where I stood amongst my church family and vowed to raise my daughter with the help of you in a Christian home. And this church home is also where love poured out to our family in a time of grief when my father-in-law Jack was brought to home to heaven. You see, oftentimes we speak about children being raised in a church. But I believe our Heavenly Father never stops raising us. And therefore, we never stop being His children. Therefore, regardless of our age, we're still being raised in a church today. They say children are always watching us adults. So we best be on our, our best behavior. To the older members of our church, I can say this never stops. In my mid-twenties, I remember a day that it was rainy and cold outside. I was tired, and I thought about, well, I kind of begged Lauren to let me stay at home that particular night. And with a little coercing for her, she said, no, you're not going to skip choir. You're not going to cuddle up in that blanket. We're going to go to choir practice. And I decided, okay, I'll bundle up and let's go. As I pulled into the parking lot, I saw a good buddy of mine. John Jameson. John Jameson was walking into the choir room, but he was going through a lot of health concerns at that point in time. But right on his arm, he had his dear wife, Joan, and they made it through the cold, through the rain, into choir. I never had a chance to tell John, but he taught me a lesson that night that I'll never forget. This church and his love for Jesus Christ were not going to allow him to let cold weather and rain stand in the way. But just as our homes need maintenance, upkeep, and additions, our church home does too. Just as we want our homes to be inviting and welcoming to our guests, we want our church home to be as well. We are fortunate to have this beautiful sanctuary that we should be proud to call home. And I'm so thankful to have each and every one of you as my church family. During your time of prayer leading up to Consecration Sunday, I hope that you will pray for God to bestow upon your heart the many ways that you can help to make our church home a place where we are proud to be raised by our Heavenly Father. Consider both your tithes as financial investments and your spiritual gifts as the way that they can impact our church. This is indeed the day that the Lord has made, and this is indeed our home in which he has made it. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
It's a special day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the instruments in our life that you use to reach us. We thank you for the opportunity to pray together. We thank you for the opportunity to listen, to sing, to read and proclaim. And as we read this text today, a fundamental text of our faith, a true purpose of love, of you, of ourselves, of our neighbors. Help us, Lord. Help us remain focused to understand all the aspects, to understand the people surrounding the story, to understand our part in that story and how we could be any role. And help us, Lord, to celebrate the love that's throughout. Inspire us this morning, Lord, through the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering, and as the section on the back of your bulletin says, you can give as the plate goes by. You can also give electronically uh, with any electronic device with the instructions on the back.
Please be seated. Our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 22, starting with verse 34. And you can find it on page 1535 or within a couple of pages of that in your Bible. I'll read a couple of different sections, so if you keep it open, if you like to read along. Y'all remember the first email you ever sent? I can tell my grandchildren that the first email I ever sent was in college. It was new technology when I went to the Citadel, and it meant everything because I could write my then-girlfriend, Katie, at the University of Tennessee. And we could write every day. Uh, it's been used for good. It's been used for really boring, boring things. And occasionally it's been used for bad. And occasionally it's copied to many, many people. And occasionally I've seen it used and I've had to use it to get a very serious point across to a large group of people in a short amount of time in a way that there's no mistaking what was said. And sometimes when you send that email at 11 o'clock at night because you've thought about it the entire day or maybe the entire week, the next morning, as soon as you wake up at 7, you think, did I send that thing? Did I send that email to that amount of people with that significant a point to be made? Martin Luther felt there were gross atrocities in the history of the church at that point, in the leadership of the church, and he decided that he was going to post 95 of them on a door and hammer them on that front door so that everyone could see them. And I wonder when he woke up the next day if he thought, did I hammer that, all that stuff to the door? Yeah, yeah, you did. And so many of them are so important to the way that we live our life today and the way that we talk about Scripture today. But I'll tell you what I won't do in talking about the Reformation is pile on the Roman Catholic Church because that's where it, that was the problem. What I'm going to pile on is human nature. And when humans get in leadership positions and when they get a little bit too much power and what they are capable of when that happens... Now the scripture passage today is from the lectionary. It's not directly tied to the Reformation, though it was chosen for Reformation Sunday. And I think I know why, and we're going to try to um, uh, talk about that in the text today. So Matthew chapter 22, starting with verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Rankings are so important to us. They're important when it's a team. They're important when it's a student. They're important when you see the numbers of your business uh, inside your business and your business comparing against another. They're important in church because they ask us to turn in numbers all the time with the sense that you will be motivated by making those numbers increase. Rankings are really important all the way across the board to us. And they're important in the Bible too. They're important to people who are for Jesus, who want Him to succeed because they want proximity. Those people who are followers of Jesus want proximity to Jesus so that they can then dictate in this life who gets to sit the closest to Him and who gets to decide who gets to sit close to Him. They're important to them in the afterlife. Guess why? for who gets to sit close to him and who else gets to sit close to him. Rankings are also important to the detractors of Jesus. Guess what they want? Proximity. His detractors want to be close to him because they hope to impede everything he's doing. They hope to make him make a mistake so, can they, so that they can discredit him. As I've said for a couple of weeks in political primaries of any realm, your, your main hope is that you get them to say something ignorant, hostile, maybe stupid, and that that gets churned up 
and that that deters them from being able to do anything they want. That desire to make Jesus make a mistake has drawn people together who are not drawn together. If you were watching college football yesterday, is there a team that you do not like, but you were pulling for them because they were playing a team that you like even less? Right? You're like, I can't, that red, you know, I don't know what to do with that red. I don't know what to do with that purple. I don't know what to do with that orange. I don't know what to do with that yellow. But man, yellow's playing red today, so I'm yellow. I'm for yellow. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they don't want anything to do with each other. But what they do want is this guy done. They do want Jesus discredited, so they just keep huddling back with each other, wondering what they can do or what they can say to get him to trip up. We've read it for weeks. For weeks, the choir has sung beautiful anthems about love and inclusion and hope and purpose. And then I followed that with texts where they're trying to trip him up and being angry and being spiteful. Sort of today, but mostly not. They say, hey, which one's the greatest commandment? Figuring. He's got no road he can take. There's no positive way that he could say which one is the most important any more than a teacher could say which student is the most important, any more than a parent could say which child is most important, any more than a director could say which um, uh, person in the choir is more important. Which one's the most important? Figuring he's going to be in trouble when he says. Verse 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when asked which one, figuring he's going to spin off and say something that means nothing to people who know the law, instead he ties back to the historical phrase from the significant text to these people. Love the Lord your God. And when you love the Lord your God, you're far more capable to do the second thing, which is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if that were a triangle, and you had to pick which one was the hardest, and you looked over the last 25 years, it would vary. There'd be times you didn't love your neighbor because there was a tree and you told them what to do with that tree and then the thing happened with the tree and now we don't even speak to each other. There's times when you don't love your God because you prayed to your God that this person in your life or that you would get better and it did not happen. Or that you would get a job and it did not happen. Or this conflict or this pain that you have with other human interactions would go away and it does not happen. I cannot love a God that can't fix it exactly as I want it, exactly when I need it. But I'm guessing sometimes in the last 25 years, it's that you don't love yourself. You think, what, what do I have to offer? I'm past the time that I have something to offer. I missed the window in which I have something to offer. No one has asked me if I have something to offer. And I don't think it's going to happen. It's those exact people that God reached out to, that Jesus reached out to, that the disciples reached out to. People who were in exile, people who were pushed out by their community, people who had committed murder, people who had taken too many taxes. Those people were approached by God or by Jesus or by followers and said, Hey, I got a job for you. And this is the season in the United Methodist Church when we're looking for leaders for the upcoming year. And I always get to see the faces of people when I say, hey, would you like to? And they say, what? You mean do what? Then they say, no, 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 no. I'm not the person that you want for this position. Without the knowledge 
that those are two of the most important phrases to hear from an individual when you ask them to serve. Versus, I don't know what idiot has been running this particular realm of the church, but I need to be the one that's doing it. Which one would you prefer if you were picking someone? Over and over again. And I get asked to do things in the church. I get asked to do things for the district. I get asked to do things for the conference. And my district superintendent calls me and asks me, or the bishop calls me and asks me, and I say, what? <laughs> what? Then I say, no, no, I don't think I'm the person that you want in this position. And then I get to serve for two years, four years, eight years. But here's a potential order for that triangle. God reaches out to individual through the reading of the text, through praying over the text, through listening uh, to the anthem, through being out uh, on the mountain seeing a sunrise. I believe in you. And I want you to do something. That individual then has a greater sense of self. Maybe I can do something. Maybe I am capable of being a leader. Maybe I am uh, capable of doing this amazing thing that I've been asked to do. And when God reaches out, or Jesus reaches out, or a follower reaches out, and that individual feels the love of God and feels a call to serve, there's all of a sudden an elevated nature of how you feel about neighbor. Because if you're struggling with God and you're struggling, if you have anything to offer, I can guarantee you're struggling with who your neighbor is and what to do with them. And the root of that entire structure of opportunity is gratitude. Grateful for the chance, grateful for the opportunity, grateful that someone saw something in me. It happens over and over again through the Old Testament and the New Testament. People go running into town to tell people that they've been given an opportunity to serve that they didn't figure they would ever get. It comes from a deep well of gratitude. Verse 40. Jesus says, all of the law and the prophets hang on to these two commandments. And I've done this to you as a visual many times. I think it's important to do. How many of y'all have read that much? <laughs> different parts, at different times, different years. I'm sure I, by, the, by this time, 17 years in, I've read every word. Now, I've never sat down over a period of time and read through the whole thing. It's not in my nature. But I've listened to it, or I've listened to podcasts about it, or I've listened to a professor talk about it, or I've preached on it, or I've listened to a Bible study, whatever it may be. There's something intimidating about this section. Let's talk about that. Time. When we think, I don't in any way, shape, or form have the time to read this. Talent. I, I don't know what any of this means. I don't understand the context. I don't understand the geography. I don't understand the law. See, if I told you a man from Lyman went to Greenville, or a man from Honeypath went to Moore, you'd understand that. That'd make total sense. Three men from Spartanburg went to Columbia. You'd know that. But it's tough for us to understand the geography that's in this book without seeing it over and over again and learning. It's a crazy barrier. I'll tell you another barrier is that sometimes the text is too complicated. It's written in a very complicated fashion. And in the Bible's history, it's been written in a very complicated fashion. And in the history of worship in the church, it's been delivered in a fashion that's far too complicated. Literacy. For thousands of years, people couldn't read it. And so if you can't read it, Forget understanding it. And if you don't, then where's your confidence? Where's the fact that you can understand what God says? Well, then you're leaning on religious leaders to tell you. You know what kind of power that is? What kind of authority that is in that society even till today? 
So the major thing we're talking about is access. When Moses led the Israelites through the wilderness, he went up on a mountain. He got the Ten Commandments. He was the only one up there. What was everyone else doing? They were down on the ground. Uh, I'm not sure when he's coming back. Some of them even panicked. When Zechariah went in the temple to find out he was going to be a father, he was the only one in there. Everyone else was outside. And when he came out, he couldn't speak. He could not tell them about that vision he had because his faith was lacking and the angel said, well, when the baby's born, you'll be able to speak. When the priests of his time, all the way to the time that Martin Luther put the 95 Theses on the door, gathered, they gathered in their own clusters, spoke their own language, and came up with their own ideas, and the people outside had no hope but to just listen. They have no access, no proximity, and in many cases, no literacy. Now the major problem that was written about in the 95 Theses was indulgences. Started in the 12th century, when they wanted to take Jerusalem back, the leaders said to mercenary soldiers, if you'll go over there and if you die, you'll go straight to heaven. And when that wasn't enough people and they saw new ways that they could gain access, they started saying, what if we just charge people for that? What if we have an upcharge for it? And I've got a quote for you. It's, it's kind of lengthy, but I think it helps. The sale of indulgences was a byproduct of the Crusades in the 12th and 13th centuries. Over time, church leaders decided that paying money to support good works was just as good as performing good works. Over several centuries, the practice expanded, and church leaders justified it by arguing that they had inherited an unlimited amount of good works from Jesus. And the credit for these good works could be sold to believers in the form of indulgences. In other words, indulgences functioned like a confession insurance against eternal judgment. Now, it's horrific. But talk about a way to raise money. Tell people, if you just give us money, then you're fine. And if you're going to do something in the future, you might want to give us money for that, so that'll be covered as well. And if you have a loved one who's died and you wonder exactly where they are, we can't, you know, we can't quite say. But if you give us money for that, we can make sure that that's covered. Human nature, when given power, ultimate power to people who can't quite understand it, you can go to some dark, dark places. And if people heard, same as you hear on a commercial, for $19.99, if you get this mop, all your mopping days are going to be blessed and amazing. For $19.99, if you get this weight... If you have this weight in your room and you lift this weight, you're going to be shredded. You're gonna be sh it's not even any trouble. You only have to do it a couple times a day. For $19.99, no more dog hair. Dog hair is done. You just get this thing, dog hair is done. That's just little stuff. And it gets, we go, I don't know, man, $19.99, let's just see. No more dog hair. That's just little stuff. Imagine if you attach that to the way people felt about their connection now to God and their connection in the future to God or their loved ones. And that's how you get to a really dark place. Fortunately, Martin Luther spoke up and he said it's not a solo effort. It's not about earning. It's not about selling. It's not about individuality. It's about a corporate, a corporate pursuit of accepting the love that God has offered and giving it freely to others the same way it was given to us freely. The human race is receiving a gift and we will refuse to give a burden to another person in order to have that gift that's been given freely to us. 
whatever we can do to love our God. Whatever we can do to accept that love and love ourselves for who we are so that then we may serve our neighbor. If we can do those things, we are doing the will of God every single day and we don't need the entire Bible to understand it. We love our Lord. We will love ourselves. We will love our neighbor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able for our, yep, um, for our final hymn, number 529. to everyone who made this service special for all the preparation uh, that y'all went through to um, play for us and sing for us. Thank you, Robbie, uh, for speaking to us. I do crush it with the one to seven year old bracket uh, with the guitar. It is an amazing time with chapel uh, with those kids. Thank you all for um, your generosity in giving to the foundations class. It's a fun time of year in which we serve our community. And remember the fall festival tonight at 5 p.m. if you're helping. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.